If you like to keep your Bibles open, then perhaps you could turn back to the 23rd Psalm. It's great to be back here with you. I love coming here. I love the, the worship. I, I feel the presence of God filling this place just as, as we've sung just now. Nick was, uh, I've taught quite a number of people to preach, Nick was the best and I hope that you've experienced that here and, and feel that. <clears throat> he, he listened, which was a great thing. I, I remember one person, I was leading a course in preaching, and uh, one person began by putting his hand up and saying, I don't need to be here. I thought, you need to be here more than anybody else then, if that's what you think. We're going to look at the 23rd Psalm. <clears throat> As Nick said, when he was reading it, it's very well known. And in some ways it's not known at all. Because when we become very familiar with scripture, we tend just to read over it, uh, thinking that, that we know about it. And of course there is always so much more. I've been preaching in some passages now for 50 years, and I find I can still find something new when I turn back to them. So I hope that you'll find something new in the 23rd Psalm this morning. I have a love affair with Israel. I've been there now, well, I've forgotten the number of times, about 10, something like that. I've been on bike rides, and I've been with ministers, and I've been with my congregation. And it was a time when I'd taken my congregation to Israel. I, that I had a day on my own. They were going to see Masada, and if you've seen Masada, once, twice, three times as I had. You don't really need to go again. So I said, off you go, go and enjoy it. The, the guide was with them. And I had a, a lovely day wandering through Jerusalem, through the old city. I came round the back of the city, round past the Golden Gate, and I sat on a bench, it was very hot. And as I sat there, the most amazing thing happened. I looked down the Kidron Valley, and here was a shepherd. Now, this is ridiculous because it's the heart of an international city and a very noisy one. But here was a shepherd with a small flock. I think they were goats because it was quite far down to, to see them. But he was leading this flock down the valley. And, and so my thoughts began to wander. I stayed there for, for ages just thinking about the shepherd leading his flock. And I thought about David. Now to my right, when I sat there, was the, the hill of David, Mount Zion, the city of David. It doesn't look much like that now because everything was transferred into the, the walled city. But David set up his, uh, his center there, his, his courts there, his home there. Once he had a time of peace, and, and it's known as the city of David to this day. And I imagine David sitting there on a lovely warm day. And maybe David, without all the noise of the cars, maybe David also saw a shepherd walking his sheep down the valley. And maybe that's what made him write these opening words, the words which are so well known to us now. The Lord is my shepherd what a wonderful thought had just dawned on him. This shepherd is leading the flock, and the Lord is my shepherd. 
David, of course, knows all about shepherding. David, as a boy, was sent out to shepherd the sheep. And he knew that he had to keep them safe. He knew that he had to tend them. He knew that he had to feed them. He knew that he had to fight off their enemies. And he knew that he had to rescue stray sheep. And so with these thoughts in mind, David writes, The Lord is my shepherd. This is what the Lord does for me. He has gone before me. He maybe started to think of all the different things that had happened in his life, of the, the lion and the bear that he killed to guard the sheep. He maybe thought of Goliath, the giant, that he had no right in defeating. And yet, because the Lord is his shepherd and the Lord had gone before him, the giant fell. He may have thought of Saul. David already being promised by Samuel that he would be king. And yet Saul's hatred made him flee from him. And even in fleeing, God was with him. God went before him. So when we look at the 23rd Psalm, we're looking at parts of the Bible that is very individual. Now, I don't know if you've thought of the Bible like this, but the Bible generally is about community. The Old Testament is about the people of Israel and what happens to the people of Israel. The New Testament is about the new people, the new community. Paul's letters are written not to individuals, but to churches. Of course, we take individual messages from that. But generally, the Bible talks to community. But here, in this psalm, it's talking to the individual, which means that it's talking to me and it's talking to you. So I want you just to indulge yourself this morning and think of this as a message which is specially for you. Forget everybody else. This is a message written just for you. So you can also start by saying, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. At the start of the psalm, David's saying, I and my first person. It's about him and and his relationship to the shepherd. The opening lines actually describe faith for us. They describe what it is to have faith as a Christian. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I need. The word want is better turned into need in, in our language now. The Lord is my shepherd. That's all I need. And David could have stopped the psalm there. That's it. It's complete. The Lord is my shepherd. I don't need anything else. And right from the early days of our Christian life, this is what's true. The Lord is our shepherd. And we don't need anything else. Of course, we want other things. And part of our commercialized society thinks a lot about wants and then sort of magically turns them into needs. If you've got teenagers, you will certainly know what that means. But David's saying, all my needs are met here. The Lord provides. What does he provide? He provides his presence. He's here with us. That's what he has promised. He provides his love. His love for you is An unconditional love. I think that's one of the most wonderful phrases 
Unconditional. It doesn't depend on how good you are. It doesn't depend on how well dressed you are. It doesn't depend on your good deeds. It's unconditional. It's not affected by how bad you are, by your bad deeds, by the ways you've failed and then failed and then failed again. It's not affected by that. God's love is one of our needs and he pours it out on us. And we need his mercy. His mercy says that your sins are forgiven. Christ has died so that you can experience the mercy of God no matter what you've done. And the Lord provides his grace, his favor to us despite everything. And that's wonderful. So the psalm continues that the shepherd makes the sheep lie down in green pastures. It's the job of the shepherd to take the sheep to the place where they can eat. You can't actually make a sheep lie down. A sheep will lie down when it has two things. When it is fed and when it feels safe. And that's what the shepherd wants to do for us. He wants to feed us and he wants us to feel that we are safe in his presence. And so he fills us with his word. There's an old hymn that says, we are feeding on the, the living word. And that's what we do. That's what we do here. But that's what we should be doing every single day, every morning, feeding in the living word, however you do it. If you've got a phone, as I have, I feed in the living word on my iPhone which is tremendous. Uh, it's, it's so great to be able to do that. It's great to have uh, a, a phone in your pocket that also speaks Japanese because every morning I send a text to a couple that uh, we met in Glasgow, but they're now back in Japan. Lovely couple. It's amazing. This is what's here for us. Wouldn't it be terrible if we were sheep that said, no, I'm not lying down. I'm not going to give in to this. I'm not going to be fed by you, my shepherd. I'm going to ignore that. I'll go along on a Sunday and, and Nick or whoever will say something and I'll listen to that. But that's not what this is about. This is about feeding on the living bread, the living word of God, day in and day out, about knowing it so that when things happen, immediately into your head comes what you've been fed. When someone says something against you, when someone insults you, your reaction is not, I'll get them back, I'll say something back, which is worse. Your reaction, because you've been feeding in the living bread, is, God, I forgive them. Because you know that somewhere in the Bible there's a wee verse that says that you are an agent of reconciliation. So because you've been feeding in that word, you immediately want to make things right. That's how God's people become a strong people, a witnessing people. Because feeding on the living bread means you start to live it out as well. And it refreshes us. It brings God's presence wherever we are. We might be sitting on a bus or 
a train or, or wherever. But because we've been feeding, so we're also refreshed because his presence is there. But he doesn't just lead them to green pastures. He also takes them to quiet waters. Now we would just read that, quiet waters, yes, that's nice. But it's very, very important actually because sheep will not drink in waters that are not quiet. So if there's a strong stream, they won't drink there. They'll look for a pool or some place where the waters aren't rushing past them and they'll, they'll, they'll drink there because they'll feel safe there. And so also he leads us by quiet waters. You know, Evelyn and I lead, lead a growth group and we're, we're heavily involved in St. Silas with, with many people. And time and again, people have said, yes, I fully agree with you, Gordon. And I know that I should be up in the morning and I know I should have half an hour at least with God, but I'm so busy. I've got to rush on. And, and once the day started, there's no time. And that's what we are living in, many of us. Not like, not if you're retired like me, if it's a wonderful state to be in, uh, for you, you've got plenty of time. You can organize it and you can spend time with God. But so many people are so busy. And what they're not realizing is that as sheep, we need quiet waters. We need to find that time. The last person who said to me, I don't know how I can find time, I said, get up half an hour earlier. It's that simple. If you realize how important it is to have your quiet waters, then change your sleeping habit. If it's not important to you, then don't. But I would say to you, you need these quiet waters. As God's sheep, our shepherd leads us there. Wouldn't it be terrible if we say, I'm sorry, I haven't got time to drink. He leads us by quiet waters. Then David goes on, he restores my soul. I think, you know, as you just read through the 23rd Psalm, you sort of pass that by as a nice statement. Oh yeah, that's nice, he restores my soul. But if you stop and think about it, you only restore something that's needing restored. You don't restore something that's in ship-shape condition. It's something that needs restored. And all of us need restoring. The world around us will damage us. If you, if you think of a building that needs restored, you know, it will have paint flaking off, uh, maybe some cracks in it. Um, and when you restore it, you bring it back to the condition that, it's ought, that it ought to be in. And so God restores our soul. Our souls are affected by all the nonsense and rubbish and bad news that we hear day after day after day. It affects our soul. And we need to go back to God. And we need that refreshing. We need to be able to see how positive the kingdom of God is in the midst of the kingdom of the world. So he restores our soul. Maybe David thought of the many times his soul needed restored. We think that the psalm is written before the incident with Bathsheba, who maybe had a tent a wee bit further down the hill from David. 
You all know what happened there. After that, David needed to know that God would restore his soul. And eventually he was brought to his senses. Eventually he confessed his sin. And eventually that restoration came. He restores our soul because so easily we can become lost sheep. The sheep could get lost in a gully or in a thicket or because they're sheep they were just wandering off somewhere and the shepherd brings the sheep back. On one of my bike rides in Israel I I was privileged to be chaplain. There were about 100 cyclists um, on, on these charity bike rides and I'd been asked to be chaplain. And at the end of the ride, uh, one of the other cyclists said to me, I think we need to talk with this lady. And so she, she brought the lady to me, and uh, she was in her mid-30s, very good cyclist. I was always behind her. And asked her what the problem was. And her opening words were, I came here to commit suicide. Well, that sort of shook me and asked for the reason. Why, why was this? Well, when she was 18 in London, a girl brought up to go to church. She went to a party that she should never have been at. She mixed with people that she should never have been anywhere near. They weren't tough. They weren't rough. They were polite. They were young people on the way up. There were young people taking drugs. There were young people who met for parties which became orgies. At the party, she said she refused to join in, and so they raped her. Not once, but many times. Eventually, she grabbed her clothes and ran out of the flat. And in her words, she kept running. She was 18 then. And for 17 years, she had run and run. Literally, she became a long-distance runner. And she said, no matter how far I I ran, I could never, never get away from what was done to me. And she said, so I came here to end it all. And I said, that's not why you've come here. You've come here to meet the one person who can restore your soul. And as we prayed, an amazing thing happened to me. It's never happened before. Never happened again. As I closed my eyes and and prayed over her, and the other two people with me were praying over her, the room changed. I can only describe this as I saw it. The room changed, and it was as if a curtain was parted up at the back of the room. And behind that curtain, I saw angels. And the angels were rejoicing and cheering and clapping And I said to her, I've just seen angels and they're clapping for you because a lost sheep has returned home. The shepherd has been going after you. He's been longing to bring you back to the paths of righteousness. He longs to bring you back into the flock and now you're here. And she was weeping and I was weeping. The other two ladies were weeping. It was the most wonderful moment because the shepherd had gone out to look for that lost sheep and had carried her back 
the sheep over his shoulders, back into the fold. Her life was restored, literally. The version of the 23rd Psalm that, uh, that paraphrases it has got a wonderful, wonder, it's a wonderful words altogether, but one verse says, perverse and foolish, oft I strayed, and yet in love he sought me. And that's wonderful, because that's the word of hope, not just for every one of us, but that's a word of hope for every person who's not here, who's out in the streets, who maybe was wandering from the paths of righteousness last night, and maybe in many ways, who's a lost soul, a lost sheep. The wonderful thing is that the shepherd has not forgotten. The shepherd is still looking for every lost sheep. David's reverie continues. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And as I went through the 23rd Psalm in my mind, sitting there looking over the Kidron Valley, I looked over to the other side, because opposite the golden gates of Jerusalem, which are not supposed to open, the Jews believe, until the Messiah comes. The Messiah's come, but it's still not open, by the way. Opposite there are graves, many, many graves on the hillside. And there would be graves even back in David's time. It was a place where, where graves were built. So as you look over this valley, this is the valley of the shadow of death. And I thought, even there, even though I walk through that valley, I will fear no evil. When Jesus died in the cross, he defeated death and he conquered evil in the words of this psalm. And now we need to have no fear. There is no darkness that is so deep that we cannot walk through it because that shepherd is going ahead of us. There is no death so devastating that we can't recover from it because he is with us. And there is no death that we need fear because where he is leading us is to an eternal home. Psalm changes. At the beginning it was I and my, my shepherd. Then it was he. And now it's you. As David goes through this process, he becomes very personal with God. And so we too can be personal with God. We can take our worries, the darkness that we're going through. We can take our fears, perhaps a fear of death, and we can bring them to the shepherd and say, I fear no evil. Why? What did David say? I fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. The rod was a mace with which the shepherd would beat off wild animals. The staff was his long crook with which he could give the sheep a little tap 
or put it round their neck and drag them back. And David fears no evil because God has these in place for us. He can beat off the enemy, the spiritual enemy, which wants to attack us, wants to bring us down, wants to take us off the right path. And he can gently lead us back. Your rod and your staff comfort me. And then there's another change of scene. There's a table. Perhaps as he was thinking this, writing it in his head, perhaps then his servant said it's lunchtime and brought out a table. And he sat at the table. Whatever. He sees this table and he says that God has prepared the table for him. And isn't that wonderful? This is a heavenly table. And God invites David to come and sit on it. Sit at it. And then he anoints his head with oil. You did that to the most honored guest. The oil would be perfumed. It would take away the smells of the, the, uh, the walk and the, and the unwashed perhaps. And replace it with this beautiful perfume. And God does this for David. God calls him his honored guest at his table. Now Christians immediately start to think of something else, don't they? And I did too. Just further along, on the city of David, is where Jesus walked up steps that are still there to the room that he'd booked where he sat with his disciples. Another table, another shepherd, 500 years later. And as he sat there, he fed his disciples and he gave them drink and all of it was done in front of his enemies. His enemies were all around him. His enemies wanted to end his life. The devil certainly wanted crucifixion to be the final blow. And Jesus sat at a table. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. The Passover meal, of course, goes away back to the time of Exodus and Moses. And it had fairly developed by David's time. There are four cups involved in the Passover meal. And the fourth cup is a cup of blessing. And when it's poured, the person pouring it, the father at a, a Jewish Passover, will, will keep pouring. And the wine will overflow. Because we cannot hold God's love and mercy in our meager glasses. It overflows. God's blessing to each one of us overflows. And his blessing also to David. My cup overflows. And so David experiences joy. The deep joy and satisfaction of the knowledge not just of God's presence, but of God's anointing, of God's blessing, of God's blessing which just keeps coming and keeps overflowing. And that's what is for us as well. That's what this psalm is saying to us. This is what the Christian life is. This is what we can experience, a blessing which keeps coming and keeps overflowing 
And then perhaps David sees what I didn't see. Maybe a couple of sheep following the shepherd. I didn't see that. There weren't many sheep either. And there were goats. But maybe David sees a couple of sheepdogs. Because that's, that's what would be there. Following the sheep. And I think David, this is my flight of fantasy. But I think David gives some names. Goodness and mercy. He looks at the sheepdogs and he says, God's goodness and God's mercy are my sheepdogs. And they follow me for the whole of my life. No matter what I do, no matter how much I fall down, no matter how imperfect I am, God's goodness and mercy, his sheepdogs are following on and they're making sure that I will stay in the paths of righteousness. It's a wonderful picture. And then the promise, which we end up with. Surely God's goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What a wonderful picture. The 23rd Psalm. I encourage you to go and, and, and read it in your next quiet time. When you get up half an hour early tomorrow, turn to the 23rd Psalm. Blame me. It's wonderful. But we have to ask, do you know the Good Shepherd? Because if you've come in today and, and you've not been sure, perhaps you're invited by a friend, perhaps you've just come in. And you don't know the Good Shepherd then you're missing the most vital element in your life. You see, you can't get good shepherding anywhere else. Education doesn't shepherd you. Politics don't shepherd you. All the new equipment and, and Facebook and Google and everything else, they don't shepherd you. And we need someone who will shepherd us. And that is Jesus Christ. We need to be followers of him. So if you don't know the good shepherd, I urge you to think about that. And go and speak to someone today. How do I know? How do I get to know the good shepherd? Do you need to come back to him? Are you like the lost sheep? Have you been caught up in a thicket? of other things which have taken you away from him. Then let him just bring you back. Let him just pull you back into the fold. Let him address these things. Allow him to. Let him refresh your soul and restore it to its proper condition. Listen to him. Listen to him calling your name. Draw close to him because his presence is all around you. And when you go out from here, his presence goes with you. It's a lovely thing that Moses says. We've been studying Exodus in our group. Lovely thing that Moses says, God, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not moving. I'm not going from here. And his promise is that his presence will go with us. Each one of us as we leave here this morning.
Finally, there's one thing which I've missed out. And it says, for his name's sake. And this shepherd does all of this for God's name's sake. The name meant more than just a name. It meant the whole person. And God's name is who God is. And God is faithful. And God will never turn his back on you. And God will send his shepherd out to look for the lost sheep. Because that is who he is. Let's pray. It's been wonderful to share with you these words of the 23rd Psalm. Let's just turn to the shepherd now and give him thanks for what he did, for how he takes us to the cross, how he dies for the sheep so that we can live, so that we can find these green pastures and quiet streams how he sets a table for us so that he can share all of his goodness and thank him that his goodness and his mercy follow us all the days of our lives until we see him again in the kingdom of heaven. Amen.